morning, good morning. How's everyone doing today? You doing all right? Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome to Life Church. My name is Jeff, and I am the campus pastor here at the Appleton campus. So glad that you would join us here before Snowmageddon hits, and uh, it's going to be awesome. And uh, we, last week, we started our Unstoppable series, and uh, we talked about where we were, we talked about where we are, and we talked about where we're going in 2018. And kind of what we had said was a little bit of the theme was we're going to reach out and we're going to root down. We're going to reach out and we're going to root down. What do we mean by that? Reach out, we mean by reaching out to our communities, seeing so many new people come into our church. We set a goal of having 150 people come for the very first time in 2018. And uh, we set a big audacious goal to see that. And we really want to reach out to our communities, reach out, root down. The way we felt like we need to root down in 2018 is that we wanted to get to a place to where we could get into a permanent facility, whether that facility was lease or whether it was bought. But we felt like in order to set us up for long-term ministry, this movie theater has been incredible, but to set us up for long-term ministry and an investment into this community, we wanted to get into a permanent facility. So we wanted to root down. You see, it's a both and. We need to reach out in order to get to the place where we're able to root down. And so that's kind of what we talked about last last week. And uh, I want to announce to you, we're actually going to have something starting this year. We started it last week. We're going to have all of the messages are going to be on audio podcast. So you can go ahead and subscribe to those and we'll send you that in the newsletter. If you don't uh, get our newsletter weekly, then I want you to go ahead and put your email on the communication card and we'll, we'll update that in there so you can get all of the updates as they come in. And we talk about serve day. We send important videos out there. And so go ahead and fill that in. We get you some more information about that. But we're excited about what God's doing, that we can reach out and root down. We believe God is leading us. That's what we said. It's not going to happen if just a few of us do it. It's not going to happen if just one or two of us say, hey, we're going we're gonna to be in this thing. But it's something that all of us need to do together. And Acts, the theme verse that they talked about was this, that if this of, is of human origin, it will certainly fail. But if this is of, of God, it will be unstoppable. If this is of God, it will be unstoppable. Stoppable. And that's truly what belief that if this thing is of God, that it will be unstoppable. We need to reach out and root down. But today we're going to be continuing our series in Unstoppable. We're going to be in John's Gospel. If you got your Bible, if you don't, you can turn in your mobile device or we got the big Bible behind me, the 90 foot Bible. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, and like at all, please let us know, and we'd love to give you one for free. I just believe everyone should have a Bible so you can search God's word out for yourself. This is not something that you can just come and listen to me and think that I know everything because I don't, but I want you to search out God's word and search it out for yourself. But we're going to be reading John chapter 9. We're going to be starting in verse 1, and we're going to be reading through verse 7. It says this, as he went along, he being Jesus, he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither his man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Shalom, which means sent, Siloam. 
And if you don't know, I don't pronounce things correctly, and uh, I'm not offended if you make fun of me. Go ahead. Join the train, because I'm not a biblical scholar. Anyways, so the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Title of my message today, if you're taking notes, title is Step In to the Struggle. Step into the struggle. Pray with me, would you? Jesus, God, I pray that you would be glorified today. I pray that your words would be remembered. Anything that I say, God, I pray that if it is from me, that it would be quickly forgotten. But if it is of you, Holy Spirit, that you would take it and you would convict and that you would bring us to health. God, I pray that we would see a revelation through your word today, that we would leave here more changed than we came in. We love you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. So when Abby and I were first married, and uh, we've been married for about four years now, but when we were first, actually, when we were first dating, we quickly realized that we're from different backgrounds. And so we have very different opinions on things and, and whatever. I mean, we grew up in the Midwest. But one of the things that we realized very quickly was that my empathy level was extremely low, and hers was extremely high. So she had this understanding, she still does to this day, to be able to understand what people are going through, put them, put herself in their shoes, and really kind of feel what's going on in their life, while I do not have that ability. I grew up in a family that you could have an entire conversation with these four phrases or three phrases, whatever, it is what it is, and yeah, oh well. That was my family. We could have an entire conversation. This week, or excuse me, last week, I was on the phone with my dad. He said, it, it is what it is 14 times. We were on the phone for nine minutes, okay? Like, that's where we grew up. It is what it is, man. You know what I mean? That's how it was. And so, I, I'm honestly, I didn't really understand empathy until about our fourth year of marriage. You may ask, how long you've been married? Four years, okay? Get off my back, all right? You know, like, stop hating. You know, like, it, it's just... And so it was finally she said, she was like, hey, I don't need some cliche answer. What I need is for you to be in this thing with me. I need you to be in this thing. I need you to put yourself in my situation to see what I'm going through. That's what actually will help. When was the last time that you put your, yourself in someone else's shoes? Like you stopped and you, were, you know, a lot of times when you're telling someone a situation, you know they're thinking about what they want to tell you and they're not actually listening. When have we actually stopped and said, hey, I'm going to listen and try to put myself in this person's situation? It's interesting because I think a lot of times in American Christianity, we love to be able to be the people who comment praying for you on Facebook when we don't really pray. I hope you feel better when we really don't care about their situation at all, but we want to have this perception that we're really caring about someone else when really it's kind of this inner struggle that we're thinking about ourselves. We have our own stuff going on, you know, and it's like, and you know, didn't, like, didn't they get themselves into that situation? Like, isn't that really their fault? Like, do you know how much work it's going to be to help this person out of this hard time? Like, I don't really want to be seen with that person. Like, do you know what people are saying about them? When was the last time that you stepped beyond fluff and stepped into real relationship, stepped into real investment? When was the last time you did something for someone who couldn't do anything for you in return? When was the last time that you stepped into someone's struggle and you stepped into their pain and you stayed a while. When was the last time that you did that? As followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be like him. 
And Jesus' ministry is that of reconciliation. And Jesus did not shy away from stepping into someone's struggle. Now, what's happening, give you a little context before what I just read. Jesus is speaking, and he says something that's just an absolutely radical statement. He says, before Abraham was, I am. So this is Jesus saying, I am God. He's, essentially, he's saying this to the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees already hated Jesus. They were already mad. They didn't like him. But to make this statement is absolutely egregious. So here's what they do. They pick up some rocks, and they're about to Clayton Kershaw throw a fastball right at his head, you know, when Jesus ducks away, and he, he gets out of there. I mean, they're getting ready to throw a two-seamer right at him, you know, because this is so ridiculous that he would say, I am. He would say the I am. So imagine that. Jesus just ducks away, like, from this crazy scene that you're imagining. I mean, it's, it's actually that ridiculous. He ducks away from the scene, and he's walking down the road. He's walking down the road with his disciples. They always were with him, followed him around. And so he's walking down the road. And may, maybe you're sitting there, you're like, okay, I'm one of these disciples. My rabbi almost was just stoned for saying that he is God. This is a little crazy. What's going on here? Walking down the road, and then something happens. It stops, and it says this. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Stop right there before we even need to go any further. He saw. This man was blind from birth, meaning that he never has been and he never will be worth anything in that culture. But yet Jesus saw him. That's preaching to somebody today that you think you've never been and you never will be worth anything. Jesus sees you on the side of the road. He sees you when you're broken. He sees this man. I love it. The God who created heavens and the earth, this guy can give him nothing, yet Jesus stops and he sees him. The first thing I think we need to do today through this passage, I want to see, give you three things, and, and I think it's really going to help us to step into the struggle. Because I believe if we're really going to make an impact, if we really want reach out, root down to be something that's real, then we need to step into the struggles of this city that we need to step into the struggles of the people that are around us. We can't just dance around them having a spot-free Christianity where we don't really want to get dirty, but we want to seem like we're willing to. We need to be able to step into it and stay a while if you're going to make an impact. So the first thing I want you to see is this. If we're going to make an impact, we need to see the need. We need to see the need. My father-in-law He's a really funny guy. He has these glasses that you get after you have eye surgery. Now, he's never had eye surgery. He just wears them because he's weird. And, and they're huge. I mean, seriously, they're massive. Like, they block out all the sun. Like, they're like the cataracts ones. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're like seriously this big. And, and it's, it's so funny because he can't see anything. Like, how can you drive in those things? He can't see anything. He's already a bad driver. Sorry if you're listening to this, Kim. But he's already a bad driver, and you can't see anything. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and, and he's like, he can't see anything to the right. He can't really see anything to the left. All he can see is a little bit right in front of him. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had the cataracts eyeglasses on, like what I like to call broken blinders? You don't want to see anything to your right. You don't want to see anything to your left. You just want to see what's right in front of you. Maybe we're broken blinders. I'm just, I'll stay blind to the things that are next to me. 
One of my bucket list items on my life is I want to go to every Major League Baseball park in America. So one of the things I want to do, love baseball, love the sport. And so a couple years ago, we were on a vacation in Seattle, and we got to go to Safeco Park. Safeco Park is in Seattle, Washington. It's just an incredible park. They had these garlic fries. Holy spirit. I mean, they were amazing. You walk up, and the whole place smells like garlic, but it's amazing, you know? Anyways, so it's worth it just to go for those. But So we're there, and we're in Seattle, and we go to the game, and it's just an incredible time. On the way back, we're going to a ferry, and we're heading to the ferry because where we were staying with the people were a ferry ride away. And as we're walking through Seattle, something happens. We take a turn on the street right out of Safeco, and something that I didn't know is that Seattle is, has the largest population of homeless in America, especially in the summertime because when everyone heads from San Francisco was where they stay in the winter, then they head up to Seattle in the summer because it's a lot cooler. And I didn't know this. I had no recollection. I had no idea that this was happening. So we take a turn in the corner, and I'm not kidding you, in our seven-minute walk from the park to the ferry, we must have passed 300 homeless people. And they were sleeping in the doorways. They were sleeping under tables of the restaurants that were closed. I remember my little sister just starts crying her eyes out because she had never seen brokenness like that before. And what was interesting to me, as we were walking back to the ferry, a seven, eight-minute walk, is the amount of people that didn't even look. The amount of people that were looking at their phone, the amount of people that were walking. And what bothered me the most was that there was a Christian church with a truck that said, turn or burn, passing out flyers to us when the real hurting people are laying on the ground. There was broken blinders that day. We didn't want to see the needs that were to the right or to the left. We had our focus on what we wanted, but we didn't want to really see the need. My heart broke as we walked by. It was a moment that I will never forget. Seeing someone on a sleeping bag in the doorway. Seeing someone hiding under a table for shelter. That day I realized that I need to change my perspective to see the need. Sometimes we're walking right past broken people. We got blinders on. Meanwhile, the one that we're committed to Jesus Christ, he stopped and he saw. He stopped and he saw. I wanna encourage you this week, stop and see what is around you. Stop and see the brokenness in your office. Stop and see the brokenness in your neighborhood. Stop and see the people that are hurting around you. You may have to look up from your phone for a minute, but stop and see. Do you see the need? Who's broken? Who's hurting? If we really want to make a difference, if we really want to help this community, we need to step into the struggle. And the first thing we need to do is see that there is one. Now, imagine the disciples. They obviously see Jesus notice this man. They see Jesus notice this man. He's blind. And it pushes them to ask this question, which I think is an extremely interesting question. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
Now, there's some cultural things going on here because some Jews believed that if your parents sinned, that when you were born, you would be born with an affliction because of their sin. There also potential, some Jews believe that you could sin inside the womb, which meant that you would be born blind. There's some cultural things going on here, I think, and I have to point that out to you. But the reason they're asking this question is no one really knew why this person was born blind. I do think that there is an interesting undertone to this question, to the dialogue that happens in many Christian circles when we stumble upon broken people. Who did something wrong? Who sinned for this person to end up homeless? Who sinned for this person to end up broken? Who's to blame for the brokenness? See, the disciples were more interested in speculating over the reason for the struggle rather than being part of the solution. Let's speculate over the, the reason for the struggle. Why is this person hurting? No, let's be a part of the solution. I love this quote. This is by Spurgeon. He says this, It is ours not to speculate, but to perform acts of mercy and love according to the tenor of the gospel. Let us then be less questionable and more practical, less for cracking doctrinal nuts and more for bringing forth the bread of life to those who are starving. We're sitting here, why, why are you struggling? Like, is it a financial problem? Like, is it like, you know, do you, have, do you have a sin from your, like an unforgiveness thing? Like, we're always trying to figure out why this person's messed up. But why is that? Do we feel like they have to earn the right to be served? Jesus responds to them many times as he, as he does almost always in the gospel where he doesn't even answer their question. He says this, neither this man or this, his sins his parents sinned. But Jesus said, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus pushes away the question of why did this happen? And he walks toward the statement of what can God do through this? He pushes away from the why and he steps toward to how God can influence. He says this, as long as it is today, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Come on, I can preach all day on we must work. We could be here until the Vikings play. I'm telling you, you know what I'm saying? We must work while the day is today. The second thing I want you to see is this. If we're gonna make an impact, we need number one, we need to see the need. But number two, we need to seize every opportunity. Seize every opportunity. A major theme in the book of John is this, that John is constantly calling Jesus the sent one. You'll see it, the sent one, the sent one. He's sent there by God the Father to do the work of the Father. You'll continually see that in the gospel of John. Sent, he's sent, he's sent. Wherever Jesus was constantly going, he was doing the work of the Father. He was sent to this city. He was sent to these people. And somehow, everywhere Jesus went, there were always hurting people. Every city he was sent to, there was broken people. I love thinking about Jesus as the sent one because the sent one came to die for my sins. The sent one came to die so that I could be set free. The sent one came so that I could have grace 
and have it abundantly. See, grace is getting something that you do not deserve. Grace is, is receiving love and forgiveness that you didn't earn. Jesus came to bring grace onto the law. But also, he came to bring mercy. And mercy is what holds back what you do deserve. I do deserve this. But God says, my mercy will hold it back. Grace gives you what you don't deserve. Mercy holds back what you do. They work together in tandem. But I love to think about this. Recorded in, in Matthew's gospel, one of my favorite things is this. Jesus is about to return, from, return to heaven, and he calls his disciples, and he says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hold on just a second. Jesus is the sent one. What did he just do right there? He sent you. The sent one is sending me. You don't have a question about whether or not you're sent to the community that you're in because the sent one said, go. The sent one said, go and be a part of what I'm doing. Go, therefore. The sent one is sending me. Seize every opportunity. Every opportunity. I must do the work that my father set in front of me. That's what Jesus would constantly say. I have food to eat that you have no understanding of. I have work to do that you don't understand. Seize every opportunity. Seize every opportunity. Do you see that? That the sent one is sending you. As you're going through this week, I want you to seize every opportunity. Seize every opportunity to help someone in need. I would encourage you to do it for someone that you know cannot help you in return. The Bible says that as we give, we do so that our one hand doesn't know that our other is doing. I don't want to receive profit for it. I want to give to you. I want to seize every opportunity to help someone who's hurting. Maybe that means shoveling someone's driveway. Maybe that means paying for someone's coffee. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to seize every single opportunity who's in front of you? If we're really going to make a difference, we have to see a need. You know, I've talked to the other churches, just so you know. I've talked to the other churches, and we're totally cool if you see a need that you can fill it. Everyone's always like, well, you know, I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to tell the church about it, and then they're going to do something. You know what? We could just skip that if you want to fulfill the need. You know, I talked to them. We're all cool with it. You know what I mean? Like, if you see a need, you can fill it. Actually, the sent one is sending you. He's not sending you to tell someone else to go and do it. He's sending you. If you see it, you seize it. That's how it is. I see it, I seize it. I see the need, I feel the need. That's what God's calling me to do. What's he calling you to? See the opportunity. See the need. But seize every opportunity. Seize every opportunity you can. Now, all of this happens, what we just talked about, before Jesus even talks to this guy. You didn't know there was that much in the Bible, did you? All of this happens before Jesus even says anything. Sees the need. The disciples are like, why this guy? There's a lot of different things going on. And what I think is interesting, we don't see the pleasantries exchanged by Jesus, you know, like, so that has my mind wonder, you know? Like, Jesus walks up, what's up? I'm the I am, you know? Blind guy's like, cool, I'm blind guy, you know? We don't have his name, you know? He's like, you know, they're kind of, hey, I'm Jesus. Who are you? Nice to meet you. 
Then all of a sudden something happens. There's no like, you know, there's no like putting the toe in, you know, see if the water's nice and warm before you get in. I mean, this just happens, okay? All of a sudden, now I want you to remember, this guy's blind, but one thing he is not, deaf, right? So Jesus spits on the ground. This guy, blind guy, has some pleasantries. All of a sudden, <laughs> you ever think about that? He's blind. He's not deaf. He's like, you know, and then it's like, what? And then I imagine this guy being like, whoa, you know, what are you doing? This is, and Jesus is like, I get, I'm just you know, making some mud here. Oh, I need, I need some more, you know, I'm like, this is disgusting. This is gross. Like, why is this happening? I don't know. I know a lot of preachers that just won't preach on this because it's nasty, you know, spittle and ugh. it's just like weird, you know. And, and there's a, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I just imagine you're, you know, it just freaks me out. I'm scared. God, I like, I trust you, but, you know, Jesus, I will trust you, but not with the spit. You know, this is weird. I think there's a couple reasons that God does it this way. Number one, I think Jesus does it this way is because God created us from the dust, and Jesus shows that he'll be able to heal from the dust as well. But I also think that Jesus did it this way is because he had to switch things up. Because here's the thing, us Christians, we take everything Jesus did and we turn it into a ministry. Like, I am shocked there's not a spittle ministry right now. <laughs> Seriously. Hey, let's just spit in the mud, you know, like, SMs, here we go, spittle ministry. I mean, this is weird, you know, like this, he had to do it because no one is doing that. Because it's, it's strange, it's awkward, it's, you know what it is? It's messy. It's dirty. It's gross. The God of the universe decides to spit in the ground to heal someone's eyes. Now Jesus takes the mud and he picks it up and he wipes in this guy's eyes. Now I just, I'm telling you, I can't understand. Imagine this guy, he's blind. He, 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 he all of a sudden feels the weight of mud. He hears the, the, you know, like he's, and then all of a sudden Jesus says, now I want you to go in the pool and I want you to wash it off. Go in the pool and I want you to wash it off. What I want you to see here is there is a tension that someone who's receiving the blessing still needs to do something, right? So that's not on you, that's on them. Jesus put the mud, he put the healing on his eyes, but he still had to walk to the pool. Jesus says, now go to the pool and, and wash your eyes. He doesn't say what's gonna happen. Go to the pool and wash your eyes. I mean, what is this? I mean, this is just like a new mud thing. Am I gonna be 10 years younger? I can't see. What? Go to the pool and wash your eyes. So the man begins to, to walk over to the pool. What's interesting is that this pool is called scent. This pool is called scent. He was sent. The sent one sent him. He goes to the pool and he washes off the mud of his eyes and he's healed. He can see for the very first time in his life. He runs back. Jesus is gone. He can see. The Pharisees are upset because it's a Sunday, you know, or it's a Saturday and you're not supposed to heal on that day. And so they're upset again, but Jesus is gone. 
This guy's healed. His whole life is changed. All because Jesus decided to step into the struggle. The third thing I want you to see today is if we're gonna step into the struggle, we have to sacrifice your comfort. Sacrifice your comfort. Can't live a spot-free faith where you pretend to step in the struggle when you're spitting in the ground. I think that's what Jesus is showing, that he's not afraid to get messy, that he's not afraid that you're not too screwed up for God, that you're not too messed up, you're not too far gone, that no matter what your sin is, no matter what your struggle is, that God is there for you, that where there is great mistakes, that there is great grace. There's great healing. And ask that we have someone come up to the keys at this point. I'm gonna share with you one, one thing that I just thought was incredible. This guy was born blind. Did you know that in the Bible, up to this point, not a single person had ever been healed that was born blind? Those who had lost their sight received sight again, but this is the very first time ever that this happened. And it happened with saliva and dust and mud and messiness. Here's the thing I want you to see from that. If we're gonna do things that have never been done, we're gonna have to step into things that sacrifice our comfort. If we're gonna do some things that have never been done, we're gonna have to step into the struggle. We're gonna have to step into the pain. If you're gonna do something, Jesus healed a guy who was born blind. That never happened up to this point. So many miracles happened in the Old Testament and up to this point, Jesus did it. This never happened. But yet when Jesus decided he's gonna step into the struggle, he set a precedent that there was a miracle inside this messy mud. There was a miracle inside this messy situation that if Jesus was willing to step in it and hang on, then something great would happen. I wanna challenge you, step into the struggle, step into the pain. Do like Jesus did. Don't spit in people's eyes, it's gross, but do like Jesus did. Step in the struggle. I'm gonna share with you a couple opportunities. Carly mentioned it earlier with Serve Day. We just wanna serve our community. We're always looking for opportunities to serve. And we like to build strong relationships with organizations. So we work very closely with Harbor House. And it's so interesting if we open our eyes to see the need, that it's right there. Did you know that the Super Bowl, one of the most celebrated things throughout this entire year, will also be the largest human trafficking day of the year? That more nine and 10 year old girls and boys will be stole during the Super Bowl than at any point during the rest of the year. There's a need but are we willing to take the blinders off to see it? 
Are we willing to seize the opportunity to do something about it? Are we willing to sacrifice our own comfort for healing to happen? I want to serve in the city. I want to serve our community. I want to serve what happens around Appleton. The other thing is this. In May, it's not on your greater pamphlet, but you should have one as you on your seat if you want to grab that. But we're leading a trip, the Appleton people, and we're having some people from the Germantown campus go, but we're going to go to the LA Dream Center in May. May 21st through the 26th. We're going to go to the LA Dream Center and we're going to help feed people. We're going to help people who are addicted, who are broken, who are hurting. But that's just one of the many missions trips. I believe that if we're going to reach out, we're going to root down, we have to see the need in our own community. But we also, I want to challenge you to go on a missions trip. We have missions trips to Belize, to to all these different places, to Ukraine, to all these different times of the year. I want to encourage you, go on the LA trip with me. It'll be fun. You have an awesome time ministering to people, seeing the need. Some people have said, you know, I just, I don't know if I can afford it. It's going to have to sacrifice your own comfort. We want to make a difference. I don't know if I can get time off. I don't know what I can do. I understand. But I want to challenge you. You're going to have to sacrifice something. You want to be something for us? Because we make sacrifices for ourselves all, the day, all day long. But are we willing to make a sacrifice to help somebody who can't help themselves? Are we willing to make a sacrifice to help somebody who will never repay us? Somebody who won't remember us the minute we walk away. So many mission trips you can go on. Be a part of that. Inside that card, like I said, next week we're going to talk about that. We talked about it last week, making the commitment to greater. That we have a greater goal this year to bring in $30,000 for missions. You see that all in that pamphlet. If you don't have one, take that home with you. Look through it. We're going to be collecting those next week. But I want you to... I want you to really pray about that. That's why we're doing it through the middle of this fasting season, to really pray and really fast about what what is God asking me to sacrifice? What is God asking me to do? Do you feel called to step into a mission strip? Go. The sent one is sending you. Feel called to start to serve here. Start to serve at church. You want to help in kids. You want to help in greeting. You want to help on the worship team. You want to help AV. You want to set up. You see a need. You seize an opportunity. What is God speaking to you? What's God asking you to do? Is he asking you to step into something that's beyond your comfort? What's he asking you to step into? I want to encourage you. Step into the struggle. The greatest healing that I've ever found for myself has been when I'm helping someone else. It's not when I'm focused on me, but when I'm focused on others. When I'm focused on someone else, then I begin to see the need. Then I begin to seize the opportunity. Then I begin to see what it's like to truly follow Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you want to go on the LA trip, We have missions applications at the Orange Tent. We have more information at the Orange Tent. Go over there, take that application, take the information, bring it back. Sign up for Serve Day. Be a part of what we're doing in this community. But I want to encourage you, see the need. 
step into the struggle today. Let's pray. God, I pray today that we would be encouraged by your word. God, thank you that you healed this man so that we could learn from it. Thank you that you did it in such an unorthodox way so that we could just have to trust you, not turn it into a specific guideline, but we could trust you and you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to people in this room right now, that you would bring healing. God, I pray that you would open their eyes so that they would see the need. I pray that you would push them forward so that they would seize the opportunity. And I pray that you would encourage them to sacrifice their own comfort. 